today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Jesus is who we claim to be, the Son of God. We believe that Jesus was the Lamb of God who paid for our sins. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive, and we believe that Jesus is worth following with all that we have and all that we are. It means to fully put your trust in him both for salvation and for life, which is those two creeds of the church, probably the first two creeds ever of the Christian church. Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. When you choose to vote for someone, you identify with them in some way. You publicly proclaim that you're backing them up, enough to endorse them as someone you want in leadership. But if you don't buy into the message they're expressing, you're not going to sign your name to that person being in a position of authority over you. What about when it comes to God? Today, Pastor Ricky asks if you're prepared to follow God in a way that you could support and even imitate his way of living. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of John chapter 10 as he continues his message, Disciples. Now you'd think Jesus, this perfect man who's the son of God, that he above all people would be embraced and loved and we would make him the king. I mean, we often think, man, if we could just find a good man, we would put him in charge of everything. No, 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 that's not what happened with Jesus. He was betrayed. He was subjected to an unjust trial. He was beaten. He was humiliated. But this was no accident. It wasn't as though Jesus was not powerful enough to stop this. No, John 10, Jesus says that no one takes his life from him, but he chooses to lay it down. Now, why would he choose to lay his life down? Because he is, as scripture lays out, the lamb of God. Now, that picture, literally, of the lamb of God is highlighted by the fact that Jesus dies Passover weekend when they would celebrate a perfect lamb being substituted in the place of God's people and the lamb's blood being shed so that the justice of God could pass over them the way it did in Egypt. That's the picture in the Old Testament, that sin equals death, and the only way that sin does not equal death is if there is a perfect substitute that takes that death that the sinner deserved. Now, in the Old Testament, there are lots of animal sacrifices, but it's clear in Scripture that these animal sacrifices don't take away human sin. Instead, they're a picture. They're reinforcing this idea that the only way that sin does not equal death is if there is a substitute that takes their place. That is who Jesus is. Jesus is that perfect substitute. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him, God made Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Meaning that there was a transfer that took place on the cross, that Jesus bore our sins. He was treated as if he were sinful, so that by paying for our sins, we would be treated as if we were righteous. Right? That is the amazing, unbelievable, too good to be true news of the New Testament. We follow, church, Jesus because he is the only way to salvation. He is the lamb of God, the perfect substitute that you and I need. And last, and certainly not least, we follow Jesus, the resurrected king. Church, we do not follow a dead martyr. 
that we all admire from 2,000 years ago. We believe that we follow the risen, resurrected, still alive Son of God. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day as he predicted, by the way. He said he was gonna do it, and then he did it. And it showed, that resurrection showed that he conquered sin and death, that his sacrifice as the Lamb of God was accepted. It confirmed more than anything else ever could that he is the Son of God. We do not follow a dead man, we follow our living king. That is who we follow. The reason we go through that is because I wanna be real clear. Many people follow or think they're following a version of Jesus that fits into their lives, it's just the way they want, but this is who Jesus is laid out to be in scripture. And only this Jesus is worth building your entire life around. Only this Jesus changes everything. In fact, scripture says the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus are of first importance out of all the Bible teaches, right? Out of this entire book, Paul the apostle says, you know what's of first importance? The thing that all of this is about is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is the center of who we are. This is who we follow. Second question, how then do you become a follower? As a Christian, you should be saying amen. If you're not a Christian, maybe you're saying, sign me up. How do I get in on that? That seems like pretty good news. Well, I wanna take a moment and talk about how we should not respond because there is a common way of responding to Jesus that is very common in our culture and in our city and in our world that actually does not lead to salvation. It is possible, guys, to believe that God is real and not be a Christian. It's possible to believe you're a sinner and not be a Christian. It's possible to believe that Jesus was a real person and not be a Christian. It's possible to, to say on some level, I need Jesus in my life and not be a Christian. Because what often happens in that moment is we as humanity turn to what Colossians called self-made religion, right? It looks like religious practice, but it's not something laid out in the Bible. It's something that we come up with ourselves. And here's what we do. We say, okay, I know I'm not as good as I should be. I'm not perfect. I know I should be better. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be good enough to get back on God's good side and be okay. I'm going to start going to church again. I'm going to stop swearing as much. You know, if you're from one of those fundamentalist backgrounds, you're going to stop dancing. You know, I'm not going to stop doing whatever the religious tradition you're from says, you know, don't do that. Dancers don't get into the heaven. Uh, you, you stop doing those things and you say, I'm going to be good now. I'm gonna do good deeds. Maybe, listen, I talked to so many people and the common refrain I found as I talked to people is I'll ask them, do you think you're a Christian? And a lot of people here will say, yes, I definitely do. And I say, well, what does that mean to you? And they will say some version of this. They'll say, it means I'm trying to live a good life the way Jesus would want me to. But the problem is, if you're trying to find salvation through good deeds, that's what scripture calls works of the law. Like, I'm doing things that the law says. The problem is, nobody will get right with God that way. Galatians 2 says this, a person is not justified or made right with God by works of the law, i.e. good deeds, because by works of the law, no one can be made right with God. Right? That divide is not just, well, if I just had a little bit of a boost, I could get there. That divide is the Grand Canyon. Right? And if you and I both decide to run and try to jump the Grand Canyon, some of us are going to make it further than others. Ain't nobody making it to the other side. Okay? That is what the Bible says. All of us are sinful. We cannot, by trying to be good now, make up for what we've done in the past. We can't even stay 
you know, above zero if we start today. That is not what it means to follow Jesus. So what does it mean then to become a follower of Jesus? Well, the Bible says when you get there, when you see, listen, I have no hope in myself. I got no shot. I don't know what to do. That is where you're ready for the gospel. That is where you begin to follow Jesus through repentance and faith. Those two things, repentance and faith. In Acts chapter two, Peter the apostle preaches the first gospel message and people interrupt him and say, how do we get saved? How can we then be saved? And he responds, his first word is to repent. Repent. Now, repentance is different than, oh, I'm going to do some good deeds and God will accept me. No, repentance means to turn away from your sin. It means this literal scriptural picture of I'm walking one way towards sin and rebellion to God, and I'm choosing to stop, and I'm choosing to turn around, and I want a purpose to walk the other way. That's what repentance looks like. It looks like saying, Lord, the sin that I've been involved in, the things that are going on in my life, I want to turn from those. I see that it condemns me before you. I see that it is injustice compared to a God of perfect justice. It means repentance, but it also means faith. To be saved, we must turn away from sin, but we must turn to something, okay? And that turning to something is turning to Jesus. Galatians 2, remember, which says, a person is not justified by works of the law, gives us good news, but through faith in Jesus Christ, so we also have believed in Jesus, meaning we're made right with God by faith, not by doing good deeds, by putting our faith in him. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Faith means this. We believe that Jesus is who we claim to be, the son of God. We believe that Jesus was the lamb of God who paid for our sins. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive, and we believe that Jesus is worth following with all that we have and all that we are. It means to fully put your trust in him both for salvation and for life, which is those two creeds of the church, probably the first two creeds ever of the Christian church. Jesus is savior and Jesus is Lord. He's our only shot at salvation. We trust him completely and he's the only one worth following. He is the Lord of our lives. You know, when a few years ago, I tried to get into bouldering, which is like mountain climbing without ropes, but not super high. I mean, you don't die if you you know, miss something, you just break a leg or get a concussion. So it's much safer and than you'd think. And the thing with bouldering is this, that I, there's something about bouldering that I don't like, that I struggle with. To go from being a, a beginner boulderer to intermediate boulderer, you have to learn a particular skill. And it's this, you have to trust the hold. What I do in, in life and in bouldering is I want to keep all my limbs involved, and I want to kind of not trust any one hold, and I want everything evenly distributed. I want to have options, right? So what's happening is sometimes you'll get here, and then you've got to put your handhold here, and then reach out and fully put your weight on this next hold, right? I don't like doing that. So what I kept doing is I'd go here, and then go, and then fall off. And finally, Ben, the guy who ran the climbing gym, came up to me, put his hand on my shoulder, and said, basically, Ricky, you have got to trust the hold, I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, you've got to put all of your weight on that hold and trust that it's not going to move. Because I'm looking at that hold, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know that hold. I don't know its story. I don't know its life. I don't know if it's going to hold my weight. I don't know if it's unreliable. Who drilled that thing in? Is it really solid? You know? And yet, that's what you have to do. You have to transfer all of your weight onto that 
hold. That is what it means to believe in Christ and to put your faith in him. For salvation, it means, listen, I'm, I'm not kind of saying, well, I'm doing some good works and I'm going to trust Jesus. No, it means it's all on Jesus. It's not, well, I'm going to kind of live my life sometimes, but sometimes I'll let him be my Lord. No, he's my Lord. He gets to tell me what to do in every area of my life. That's what it means to become a follower of Jesus, to repent and have faith placed fully in him. And when that happens, scripture says so much goes on in our heart and relationship with God. We are justified. We are made right with God, according to Galatians 2. We are reconciled. That relationship is restored, according to Romans 5.10. We have peace with God, according to Romans 5.1. We are adopted by God, according to Romans 8. All of that happens when we repent and believe. But, there's a but coming, but... All of that is only possible because of the grace of God. Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by faith. That's that hold, in a sense. But that faith is even a gift. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, meaning the faith, this faith is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The Bible says even our faith is a gift from God. That makes sense because our hearts are hardened by sin. Our eyes are blinded by sin. How then can we turn and believe? Only if God opens our eyes and helps us. There's an illustration that I heard from a pastor one time that I thought was so helpful. The doorway of salvation looks like this. On one side, it says, whosoever will believe. And so you say, man, I want to I believe. So you walk through the doorway, but you walk through the doorway and look backwards, and it says over the doorway, in a sense, faith, which is a gift, right? Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. The Lord gave you the faith to walk through the doorway, which you don't see until you walk through, and you think, but that makes sense. Like, why, why would I, the guy who's my whole life, I'm living in sin and rebellion, suddenly wake up one day and say, you know what I want to do? I want to follow the Lord. No, it's the Lord opening our eyes. And so, how do you become a follower of Jesus? You repent and believe, but then you see, it is by grace. It's his mercy to me that I even see these things. Third, then what does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, one is a one-time thing, and then the rest is a whole life thing. First, following Jesus looks like being baptized, which is an outward symbol of an inward reality. So being baptized just literally means... Um, you're, you're putting some water and then you come out of the water, right? There's nothing magical about that. There's not usually a choir of angels singing and a beam of sun that comes through the church, you know? Maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Maybe it'll be you. Um, but usually that's not what happens. And baptism does not save anyone. There's people who are saved in scripture like the thief on the cross. They didn't have time to get baptized. And Jesus still says, you'll be with me today in paradise. But Peter, when he says repent, the very next thing he says to do is, in a symbol of your repentance, be baptized in the name of Jesus. What that means is you are choosing to publicly identify with Jesus. It's an inward reality, but you're making it clear outwardly. You're saying, listen, in that day, what it would mean is I don't care who sees me. I don't care if my boss or my wife or my extended family see me. I'm going to go out in public and get baptized in front of people. And baptism is that picture where you're put into the water, which symbolizes you dying to your old way of life, in a sense, going into the tomb with Jesus, and are raised out, which symbolizes your new life, you're living a new life, you're raised with Christ. You're baptized. That's one of the first things you do as a Christian. I want to encourage you to do that. Second, and this begins the all of life kind of following Jesus, you apply the gospel more and more to every area of life. Remember that Paul says the gospel is of first importance. Well, it's not just of first importance to be saved. It's of first importance in learning to live as a disciple of Jesus. 
Dane Ortland says this, the gospel is not only the gateway into the Christian life, but the pathway of the Christian life. In other words, it's the doorway, but it's also the path we continue to walk. And throughout the New Testament, we see the truth of the gospel, the reality of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and its implications on us or for us is lived out in every area of life. Jesus says, teach, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you in every area. More and more, we learn what Jesus' sacrifice, his life, death, and resurrection mean for us in every area. Two examples, 1 Corinthians 6 doesn't just say, hey, hey, don't commit sexual immorality, because I said, don't do it. No, he doesn't do that. He takes the gospel and applies it. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, for you were bought with a price, so, that's Jesus, so glorify God with your body, meaning you were bought by Jesus, therefore your body ain't yours anymore. Use it to glorify God. Or rather than just saying in Ephesians 4, hey, forgive people, because I said, no, Paul says, forgive one another as God has forgiven you through Christ. Meaning, he's applying the gospel. He's saying, listen, you've been forgiven of a whole heck of a lot. How are you not going to forgive others? Right? That's applying the gospel. Next thing is turning away from sin. So we have that definitive turning away from sin, but scripture says that we still wrestle with sin and we must continue to turn away from it. Ephesians 4 calls us to put off your old self and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God, saying more and more in every area, I'm gonna turn away from sin, I'm gonna turn to follow Jesus. And by the way, turning away from sin is always a turn to following Jesus, not just, oh, I'm gonna stop doing that. No, you're gonna stop doing that and start doing something else that you're called to by Jesus. Every single area. Next, you do this walking by the Spirit, the good news is that in this process of applying the gospel and turning from sin, we have a power to help us. Actually, Jesus says in John in 14 and 16 that it's better for him to leave so that he can send a helper to us who will help us live this out and follow Jesus. And I think I would probably rather have Jesus literally there with me every day. I mean, that would be cool. Right, you wake up in the morning, your kids have destroyed the house before you've even woken up and you're like, Drr! and then Jesus is there and he puts his hand on your shoulder. That'd be nice, that'd be helpful. Jesus is there, I got something better than that. I'm gonna put a power inside of you, the helper who will help you follow me in every area. That power is none other than the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. Scripture is clear that the power for our Christian life comes through the Spirit. If we have turned to Christ, that power is active in our hearts. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh and of your sinful self. Walk by the Spirit. That's how we do this. Next and last, it means growing in knowledge. Romans 12 says that following Jesus requires our minds to be renewed. We have to think differently. We must understand more. Ephesians 4 says we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds, which is why understanding the word of God is so critical, why we're always harping on like, hey, you should read the Bible. Have you tried reading the Bible? Have you thought about reading? You know, let, let us help you read the Bible. And then when you come on Sunday, what are we doing? We're, we're saying, hey, here's a verse. Here's another verse. Here's a verse. We're gonna have a guy get up and explain the verses for a while. Then we're gonna sing some of the verses and then we'll say some more at the end. Why do we do that? Because as we understand through the power of the word, our minds are renewed and we begin to understand what it looks like to follow Jesus in every area of life. 
And then, as I said before, that is why we want to encourage people to be good theologians. Everybody's a theologian already. We want to help you become good ones to understand questions like, who is God? Who are we? How do you get saved? What does it mean to repent? Uh, What does it mean that God never changes? Why is that good news for us? All of these things are theology that impact our daily life. Now, all of these things, as we said more and more, are to be applied to every area of life. As we saw at the beginning of the message in Matthew 28, Jesus calls his disciples to teach people to follow him in every area, in all that he has commanded. And Jesus taught about everything, all of life. It looks like in your sexuality, learning what it means to turn from sin and live in such a way that glorifies God. In marriage, it means turning from selfishness more and more to learn to be selfless, to serve as husbands, to serve our spouses the way Christ laid his life down for the church. In areas like fear and anxiety, somebody just came up and said, man, I'm really trying to figure out what it means as a Christian to deal with in a Christian way, fear and anxiety. It means turning from that deep anxiety that God doesn't love us, maybe nobody does, to hearing the word that the Lord loves us, that he chose us in him, that he has a purpose for us, beginning to bring that process of renewal forward as Christians. Now, I say all of this to help you understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to go all in 24-7 following him. But the starting point we wanna start with is you this week thinking about your story of how you began to follow Jesus. A few years ago in our community group, we had a group that was super diverse. We did, like, didn't know each other. Like We showed up for one of the first meetings and we were like, okay, I don't know how this is gonna work. right? Like Nobody had the same background or even some ethnicities were different and we're like, ah, what's gonna do? So what we decided to do is like, well, let's just start with this, okay? At least we have one thing in common. Let's share our testimony, right? how we became followers of Jesus and the difference that has made in our lives. We said, hey, everybody take five minutes. We thought we'd go through it in like an hour and people would be like, oh, that's nice. Man, we went through like three stories. People were crying. People were hugging each other. We were praying for one another, right? And we're like, okay, we're gonna have to do this. So we did it another week where we shared some stories, more crying and hugging. And and then we, I think we even had like a third week, just the leftover people. And it was one of those moments where each one of us walked out freshly amazed that we were followers of Jesus, that Jesus came to us, opened our eyes, and is beginning to transform our lives, right? That is such good news. And so our core identity as Christians is that we are followers of Jesus, And so this week, what we want to encourage people to do is to think about your story, to answer that question. How did you become a follower of Jesus? When did you first understand the gospel? What difference has that made in your life? We would also love to get some of these stories from the church. Like you could write out your testimony. Uh, If you go to our blog right now, like live right now at crossofgrace.net, there is a blog post that you can fill out your testimony and send it into us. I would love for some of you guys to do that so we could share those testimonies as just, hey, here's some examples of how Jesus has changed people in our church. And like I said, in community group. And if you're joining the church, at some point, we're gonna wanna hear your testimony. Okay, so you can either fill it out and send it to us now or you can do that during your pastoral interview. We wanna hear that story so we can rejoice in God's grace at work in your life. Open God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. You've been listening to Better News Radio. 
Pastor Ricky has been teaching through a vision series on what things should be of utmost importance in a church. If you've missed a message from this series or would like to hear today's teaching again, you can do so by visiting our website at betternewsradio.com. Feel free to download the audio to take with you on the go or just listen online. We also encourage you to subscribe so you never miss an edition of the program. We're so glad that we can bring God's Word to you through the ministry of Better News Radio, and we want you to know that we're praying for you always. If you're seeking some prayer support, we're happy to do so. Simply call us at 915-562-7100. That's 915-562-7100. We'd be honored to hear from you and be aware of the things that you're wrestling with. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen today, and we hope that you can find encouragement through a Bible-believing church in your area. By joining a church, you gain a support group of brothers and sisters who put God's love into practice and can help you grow in your relationship with Christ. If you're ever in the El Paso area, please come join us here at Cross of Grace Church. You'll find all the information you need online at betternewsradio.com. Thanks for tuning in today to hear about what vision should look like in a church. Be sure to join us again next time for another edition of Better News Radio.